Good morning again. Uh, I have the privilege uh, to share from God's Word with you this morning. Um, last week, Pastor Sam wrapped up our Advent series, uh, the Songs of Advent, uh, finishing up with the song um, from the book of Isaiah. Uh, so this morning, uh, I got, I got a, what's a free pass to talk to you about whatever I wanted, um, which was exciting. Um, but uh, so as I was thinking about what I might want to share um, when given this opportunity this morning, um, I thought about uh, just thought about the new year, thought about looking forward. Um, we often uh, we're just 10 days into our new year. I know this um, because the calendar says it, but my son's current obsession is calendars. Um, and. He, he loves calendars like other little boys love trains and trucks and things. Like he wakes up in the morning and he asks me what day it is. He knows what day it is because he asked me yesterday and the day before and, and all of those things. And he has all that. But um, I think I answer the question about what day it is. And I have to give the full thing. It's, you know, Sunday, January 10th, about five times before we had breakfast. Um, so I know that it is now 10 days into the new year and we have about 350 days till Christmas because we've been counting that down already as well. Um, I thought that maybe after Christmas, because you know, you count down to Christmas, you're excited, you're four, that, you know, that would die down a little bit, but literally presents are open, Santa has come, we've read the, oh, we've made our happy birthday Jesus cake, we've done all these things, and he's like, how many days till Christmas? And at that point, we're at 365, so... I'm fascinated with, you know, last year was a leap year, so it's 366 days, but this year is only 365. And he's like, so in 2024, will there be 366 days again? This is every day, and the, the, it's, it's a special time in life. Um, that, uh, and he also, um, he's become established in using Microsoft Word, so he makes a calendar every day. Um, we've limited it to one calendar a day, mostly to save trees because he would print several calendars a day um, and so we go through the days and what the months start on how many all of those things so needless to say I know we are but 10 days in to this new year um, and it is 2021 and traditionally New Year's is a time for looking back reflecting on what the past has been like and looking forward to seeing what new goals and new things you want to do places you want to go things you want to accomplish in the coming year uh, with all that transpired in 2020, which is a really minimal way of saying things, um, it seemed like folks, uh, some folks took a little bit of a different approach beginning this year. Though many still set resolutions, there was a lot more who just simply looked to this new year with this deep and desperate hope for a year that just had to be better than what was experienced in 2020. Um, though there were still some who made New Year's resolutions, I have um, made many resolutions in the past or more used it as a, a goal-setting time. And usually, um, if you look at top 10 lists of resolutions or different things, and um, even in my personal uh, experience, they've usually sent around bettering myself in one way or another. Um, whether it's been focusing on my nutrition, my running, or another type of exercise, I've often used the new year as a starting point for a renewed focus on being healthier or more fit or just more intentional with the way that I take care of myself. In my preparation for this message this morning, um, I was reading in, in 1 Timothy 4.8, and it says, training the body has some value, but being godly has value in every way. So from a personal perspective, in this verse, Paul said there was definite value for me taking time, being intentional about training my body, 
but that taking the time to be godly, which could also be described as becoming more Christ-like, uh, which pretty much only happens through discipleship, has the ultimate value. So naturally, this got me thinking as how, how I can be intentional about becoming godlier in this coming year. And to be honest, the answer to this is not a very difficult answer to find. And much of what I plan to talk to you about this morning is information you have probably heard from several pastors, including myself, that you've studied in Sunday school or even heard about in children's church when you were younger. So please know that my goal isn't to reinvent the wheel on discipleship or give you some radical new way of approaching things uh, or a different look at the spiritual disciplines, but rather simply to encourage you or, dare I say, challenge you to find a way, whether big, small, or tiny, to be more intentional in your own relationship with God in this coming year. The spiritual fathers and writers have chosen to use the phrase spiritual disciplines to label the things we are wise to do if we want to be intentional about growing in our relationship with God. This morning, I would like to focus on just three of the many, many disciplines that have been written about and taught on over the years. Prayer, study, which is the reading of God's word and the study of God's word, and worship. So the first one, starting off with, is prayer. So let's start off with a basic definition of prayer. In his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, Dallas Willard says that prayer is conversing, communicating with God. When we pray, we talk to God aloud or within our thoughts. There are many different kinds of prayers. There are short prayers, long prayers, general or specific, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of petition, which means you're asking God for things, or prayers of joy, prayers of desperation, wordy or concise, hard or easy, essentially any way you can form words into a sentence, and sometimes when you can't even get that far, and direct them to God, it is prayer. About 15 years ago, I was introduced to what has become one of my favorite types of prayer, uh, the Celtic daily prayers. Uh, it's a liturgical type of prayer that comes from the Northumbria community in Ireland, and this book... I brought it here because I get to read from it a little bit. Um, it's got a lot of different prayers in it. It's not just one prayer. As you can see, there's um, like six, seven, eight hundred pages of different types of prayers. Um, they have what is in here. My favorite collection of prayers are called the daily prayers, or we call the daily office. And they have a morning, a midday, and an evening prayer. Um, the same prayer, you say it every day, but it's meant to be said on your own or together in a community. Um, and it was something for a season of my life that I had a really good rhythm of saying it every day, and uh, it added great value um, for my spiritual disciplines, my spiritual habits in that time, and I know it added much to my spiritual life, and I know uh, later on I'm talking about challenges and different things that uh, we can do in this coming year, but I know one of the things that I want to do in this year is to bring that uh, discipline, that habit back into my life. So the question, why do we pray? Well, when we talk to people, or when we want to get to know people better, or become better friends, or become a friend, a great first step is to talk to them, to get to know them by sharing our thoughts, our stories, our experiences. The principle doesn't only apply to our human relationships. I've always heard it said, if you want to know God better, then you need to talk to him and spend time listening too. With this comes the natural reality that the more time we spend with God in prayer, the better we get to know him and his heart otherwise known as what he thinks about all the matters and issues of our lives. Some have disguised or described prayer as coming close to the heartbeat of God, and the closer we come to this heartbeat, the more we realize we need to be conformed to Christ. Essentially, the more time we spend with God in prayer, the more we are aware of our need for our less-than-perfect selves to be continually transformed and conformed to be more like Christ. Because that is what one of the top ten goals of being a Christian should be, right? Becoming more like Christ. No? Yes? Maybe? 
not that there's, I, I don't know that a top 10 list exists in that manner, but I think the, uh, the general sense of being in relationship with God, the whole point of it is to become more Christ-like as we grow in that relationship. I like how Richard Foster put it when he said, in prayer, real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him. To, desires the th- to desire the things he desires, to love the things that he loves, to will the things that he wills. Now, I've shared here about prayer is great information about the value and the result of communicating with God on a consistent basis. But I haven't really spoken to how it is we learn to do this or a, mention any practical tips for success in this type of intentional behavior. And I'm sure through study and research, I could come up with a list of 50 different things that you could do to begin, improve, and enhance your prayer life. But this morning, I just want to focus on a very simple two. The idea of being consistent. The forming of a decent habit is said to take about 21 days. Basically, one needs to be disciplined and intentional about doing something before it becomes a habit. One thing that has been known to help people be more consistent is to set aside a specific time each day to spend in prayer. Now, that doesn't mean that all of your conversations with God are relegated to a 15-minute time frame every morning after you roll out of bed. But it's a place to start a time you can spend intentionally investing in your relationship with God so you feel more comfortable about casually connecting with him throughout your day. Dallas Willard said, the more we pray, the more we think to pray. As we see results of prayer, the the responses of our Father to our requests, our confidence in God's power spills over into other areas of our lives. Another way to be more intentional in our prayer life is to read his word. And then we're going to talk more about study in the next part of this message, um, you should know there's a reference or available to you a plethora of scripture passages that speak to the how-tos of a solid prayer life. You can look to Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and how he shared the Lord's Prayer with his disciples. You can look to all the real people that we read about in the Bible and how they connected with their God in their low moments and in their praiseworthy experiences. Have you read David's Psalms, Job's Cries, Habakkuk's Pleas? Jesus weeping, God's word is meant to be an integral part of our prayer life and our lives as disciples. Now to study. The purpose of the spiritual disciplines is a total transformation of us as followers of Jesus. The whole point of prayer, study, worship, doing all these things is to become transformed into the likeness of Christ. I like how Richard Foster put it when he said in, whoa, I'm reading the wrong page, sorry. Awesome. I should have numbered my pages. That would probably help. Um, The purpose of the spiritual disciplines is the total transformation of us as followers of Jesus. We are aiming to replace old destructive habits of thoughts with new life-giving habits. Nowhere is this more clearly seen and accomplished than in the discipline of study. In Romans 12.2, the Apostle Paul tells us that we are transformed through the renewal of our minds. The mind is renewed by applying it to those things that will transform it. In Philippians 4.8, Paul writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The discipline of study, reading God's word, is the primary vehicle to bring us to think about these things. So what do I mean when I use the word study? Dallas Willard described it in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, when he said, in the spiritual discipline of study, we engage ourselves, above all, with the written and spoken word of God. Simply put, study is engaging ourselves with the word of God. 
Though there are many books we can study to learn about God and help deepen our relationship with him, the first and foremost book, the one we are to look at before anything else, is the Bible. The psalmist in Psalm 119 asks, how can a young man keep his way pure? He then answers his own question by saying, by guarding it according to your word, and adds, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In 2 Timothy in verses, or chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, Paul emphasizes the value of the study of God's word. I want to share these verses with you from the message translation because I just found it such a perfect expression of what we are talking about this morning. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the task that God has for us. We come to God's word to be changed, to be put together and shaped for what God has for us, not simply to amass information. It's also important to understand, however, that there's a big difference between the study of Scripture and the devotional reading of Scripture, both of which are necessary and valuable in the life of the disciple. In his book, The Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes, In the study of Scripture, a high priority is placed on interpretation, what it means. In the devotional reading of Scripture, a high priority is placed on application, what it means for me. All too often, people rush to the application stage and bypass the interpretation stage. They want to know what it means for them before they even know what it actually means. Also, we are not seeking spiritual ecstasy in study. In fact, ecstasy can be a hindrance. When we study a book of the Bible, we are seeking to be controlled by the intent of the author. We are determined to hear what he is saying, not what we want him to say. We want life-transforming truth, not just good feelings. We are willing to pay the price of barren day after barren day until the meaning is clear, and this process revolutionizes our lives. Similar to prayer, the value of reading God's word comes not only in the reality that it connects us more closely to God, but it also aids in our transformation by teaching and guiding us to live a more Christ-centered life. Also similar to the discipline of prayer, the act of studying and reading God's word is one that needs to be treated with intention and consistency. Whether you use a plan like the ones provided by YouVersion or anything else on your smartphone to help you be consistent, or the devotionals like the daily bread that the church provides, or simply set aside 15 minutes each day to read his word, maybe even pairing it with a devotional or a book that helps shape thoughts on certain passages of scripture, the key is to choose to invest the time and be intentional. And though it is important to first develop the habit of simply reading scripture, I would also encourage you not to stop there. Invest the time in learning about what you are reading. Take advantage of Bible studies that are happening, including the one on Revelation that is just starting here at Northwest via Zoom on Tuesdays or in person on Saturdays. The third and final discipline I want to talk to you about this morning is worship. And as with the previous two disciplines, let's begin our conversation about worship by giving a basic definition. In worship, we engage ourselves with, dwell upon, and express the greatness, beauty, and goodness of God through thought and the use of words, rituals, and symbols. We do this alone as well as with God's people. Richard Foster wrote, Worship is our response to overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Its central reality is found in spirit and truth. It is kindled within us only when the Spirit of God touches our human spirit, forms, and rituals do not produce worship. We can use all the right techniques and methods. We can have all the best possible liturgy, 
but we have not worshipped the Lord until spirit touches spirit. It is within the act of worship, specifically our spirit, when we take notice, pay attention to all that God is and all that he has done. And it is, in within, this, it is within this act of acknowledgement that we are met by God himself. And our thoughts and our words are turned into experiencing God, being made aware of his presence with us in some degree of his greatness, his beauty, and his goodness. To worship is to experience reality and to touch life. It is to know, to feel, and experience the resurrected Christ in the midst of our gathered community. In short, worship is about acknowledgement and experience. In my study of worship, I found myself intrigued, for, for lack of a better word, by the perspective of the physical and mindful act of worship. The act of acknowledgement and experience as second in a three-part act, the first being preparation and the third being action or obedience. In Scripture, it talks about how people gathered in worship with a holy expectancy, as if in their hearts and minds they recognized that what, what they were about to experience and were excited, expectant, longing for the experience, an experience they knew would change them. So how does one prepare for worship? You can prepare on Saturday night by going to bed early or by having an inward experience of an examination or confession, by going over hymns or scripture passages that might be used on Sunday, by gathering early before the actual worship service and filling the room with the presence of God, by letting go of inner distractions so that you can really participate. The time and investment taken in preparation allows for a more intentional worship experience. By choosing to engage in worship, and by engage, I mean fully commit our mind and heart to the experience, setting aside the distractions of our day and our lives, we are choosing to encounter the presence of God. We are choosing to be changed. Let me say that again. By choosing to engage in worship, and by engage, I mean fully commit our mind and our heart to the experience, setting aside the distractions of the days, the things we were thinking about before we walked into these worship center doors. We are choosing to encounter the presence of God, and we are choosing to be changed. In the moments of our worship, we are changed by God's presence, and that change must be lived out in our lives when we exit the worship center. Foster wrote, just as worship begins in holy expectancy, it ends in holy obedience. If worship does not propel us into greater obedience, it has not been worship. To stand before the Holy One of Eternity is to change. In worship, an increased power steals its way into the heart of the sanctuary, and increased compassion grows in the soul. To worship is to change. To worship is to change. When you got up this morning and came to church, did you think about how you would be changed? How you would be transformed by God in these moments that we have shared together? As I said in my introduction, not much of what I shared today was new information. And honestly, my goal wasn't so much to educate you this morning as it was to encourage and remind you to be intentional with what you already know. As we prepare to end our time of worship together, I would like you to consider joining with me in being more intentional this year in your prayer and your study and your worship. There are four challenges I would love for you to consider embracing this morning. To be more intentional about your prayer life by choosing to set aside a specific amount of time each day to communicate with God. Or if that's something you already do, think about how you can level it up, how you can take things to the next step. There's always ways to grow in all of these areas in our relationship with God. Maybe you need to be more intentional about reading God's word, whether to use a specific Bible reading plan, an app, 
connecting with a friend about reading certain passages together, setting aside a time each day that you want to study and be transformed. Also challenge you to be more intentional about your worship by preparing yourself to truly engage with worship on a personal and communal level each week. To not just come in the doors and sit down and wait for the standard operating procedure of there's a song and there's a welcome and then there's... This is the time that God has called us to come together to meet with him. And yes, there are different pieces that contribute to it and different songs and different people sharing from God's word and prayer, but this is the time for you to come and set everything else aside and open your heart to what God has for you. This is, this is God's time. Also, to be more intentional about how you move from the holy expectation of worship to the holy obedience. That you come here each week with the expectation of meeting God and by meeting God knowing that you will be changed. And by being changed, knowing that that will change what happens in your life outside of this place. I encourage you to take a moment and think about the way or way God might be nudging or calling you to be more intentional in this coming year. And as you consider which of these you will undertake in the coming weeks and months. And though I didn't really focus on this particular aspect of the spiritual disciplines this morning, with discipline also comes the accountability and also encouragement. So if you find yourself considering taking on one of these challenges, I would love it if you shared that commitment with a friend or a family member so they can encourage you in your intentions and hold you accountable to following through. As we prepare to take this, as we prepare to leave this time of gathered worship, I would like us to take a few minutes to set aside what may be on our mind. As the worship team comes to close us together in song, I want us to just let go of what we may be thinking about. about we sometimes get to this point in the church service, we know things are wrapping up, and we're thinking, oh, what are we going to have for lunch today? Or what, what are we going to accomplish? What's our to-do list? Who gets to pick where we're eating today? Um, and set those all aside and recognize that, that, this, that we still have time left here with God, that we still have this opportunity to engage and connect in worship. Open yourself up and acknowledge that you can experience God through this act of worship. So the worship team is going to start playing a little bit. I ask if you would like to stand and just take a minute. Clear your hearts, clear your minds, prepare your heart to worship. Prepare your heart to, to hear the words that you're singing as a prayer to God, as a way to connect with God in this moment with the goal of meeting Him, experiencing Him, and being changed. Uh, the canticle um, from the morning prayers uh, from the Celtic Daily Prayer. Christ says a light, illumine and guide us. Christ says a shield, overshadow us. Christ under us, Christ over us, Christ beside us on our left and our right. This day be within and without us, lowly and meek, get all powerful. Be in the heart of each to whom we speak and in the mouth of each who speaks unto us. This day be within and without us, lowly and meek, yet all powerful. Christ as a light, Christ as a shield, Christ beside us on our left and in our right.